Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, I am sitting down with Vitaly Gorbachev discussing just AI. And I don't mean just AI. I mean, that's the name of the product. Hi, Vitaly. Hey. Welcome to the show. So we're going to talk today about just AI. And that is the name of the product, correct? Uh, not really. It's more uh, a name of the company that is building several products. Uh, one of which is a framework on Kotlin. So yeah, just AI is more of a umbrella name. Okay. Our, uh, yeah. We we have that quite a bit, I think. Uh, like for example, with JetBrains, we started as IntelliJ, the name of the company as well, and the name of the product. And then, you know, someone said, "Well, we might have multiple products, so we might as well uh, come up with a new company name." Uh, yeah. Which is which is always good, right? So t before yeah. we dive into the the product itself with Framework, let tell tell us a little bit about yourself. What is your role? What do you do? Uh, well, I'm a solution architect uh, for uh, Just AI, and I'm mostly building voice assistant solutions for our enterprise clients. So our business from the get go was more of a you know business to business. So we were building uh, large complex projects for uh, big businesses. And it's not really a sustainable model in the long run because like we have to, uh, you know, reuse some of our uh, existing software. And uh, it's, you know, akin to your philosophy of eating uh, your own dog food, so to speak. Uh, so my role at the company is to, using our own technologies, build reusable solutions concerning voice assistance um, so that we could just customize it a bit before uh, shipping them to, to clients. So does that open up the umbrella to uh, end users as well, or you're still mostly business to business? For now, business to business, but in the future, it is a possibility that uh, some of our solutions will be more oriented for, you know, the end users. Yeah. Okay. Now, just AI as a company, give us a, I mean, you, you mentioned already that you build voice assistant software for uh, other businesses. This is like, you know, in layman's terms is, is essentially the equivalent of what we would have with Alexa, Cortana, Google, etc. Yeah, um, exactly like that. But a lot of big businesses want them uh, the, their own solutions for that. Be it you know consumer solutions, like some of our clients, you know, want their own Alexa for their users. I don't know, telecom companies, banking companies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's one part of. Uh, that's one type of the projects uh, we're dealing with. And the second type is uh, business assistance. So like huge companies that have a lot of um, employees uh, want their own internal assistant that will uh, solve the employees' problems. You know, maybe um, transcribe meetings, uh, set up meetings, you know, uh, reminders, et cetera, et cetera, you know, inside the company. Yeah. So the obvious question, and I'm not saying I actually favor this. Uh, in fact, I, I'm I'm more in your field of you know diversifying options. Uh, but the obvious question is why compete with the big ones? 
Like why go up against something like, uh, you know, Google's voice assistant software and the services that they provide? Yeah, well, first thing is that um, the security and privacy is important for some of the enterprise businesses. They don't want their, uh, you know, private information uh, in the cloud. So we have a competitive advantage over like Google, et cetera, et cetera, in terms that we can um, we can ship all of our products um, in their own like private network, right? Yeah. Um, because as far as I know, uh, Google, et cetera, don't do that, at least yet. And that's the first one. And uh, it's, that's concerning like business assistance, right? And uh, if we're talking about uh, companies uh, that um, that we partner with, uh, with doing like a real uh, competitor to uh, Google, Yandex, etc. Well, that's uh, I guess their business strategy because um, you know everyone wants to be an ecosystem right now in Russia as well, right? Um, we had a presentation from uh, Sberbank recently, and they also rolled out their assistance. Well, and uh, for an ecosystem to be uh, a true ecosystem, it needs a voice assistant to access all the services. And uh, we have some, you know, uh, companies that want uh, a share of that market as well. Yeah. It's funny, you say bank rolled out its own ecosystem because everyone wants to be an ecosystem. You got to start yeah. wondering why does everyone want to be an ecosystem? Like, why can't a bank just be a bank? You know, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do have some uh, hypotheses on, on that, but uh, yeah, if you if you want, we can discuss it. Oh yes, please do. Well, uh, my thoughts being that um, the core idea is the vertical integration, right? When you want to control all the everything. Um, yeah everything in the uh, value chain of your product, like Apple does, for example. Yeah. Uh, but the ecosystem goes further than that because it also wants to control like uh, pretty much everything that um, a human might might want, I guess. Uh, and the synergy between all these services, um, right? Um, and the ease of access to all the services that voice assistants provide, um, they arguably give a lot of value for the companies. Yeah. I mean, it's it's similar to Tesla, right? Right now, Tesla was, uh, you know, with their their whole battery thing. It's like they want to control. They would. Someone was saying that they'd they'd uh, started to get licensing to dig up uh, lithium in mines, oh, yeah. so that they can yeah. essentially control to the absolute minimum. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it does make you wonder like i i guess the small players end up always depending on on several large players but from my side i actually think this is good uh what you're doing because i believe in not having all of the ai and all of these services in the hands of a few namely big tech right i don't care oh, yeah. you want to call it google yandex apple um amazon i don't care who you call it we shouldn't be putting all our eggs in one basket, 
right? Oh yeah. So yeah. I'm a big believer in uh, the uh, totally not only for privacy but also for dependency, right? I mean, it was uh, going a little bit off track. If if our listeners will allow us, well, they don't have much choice because you know <laughs> the, the, I'm not going to edit this part out. But it's funny yeah. with this whole uh, situation with the pandemic that happened, right? Uh, all of the uh -huh. smaller shops essentially were closed and everyone started to rely on Amazon. Right? Oh, yeah. And yeah. Amazon has just become bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. And yeah. and, you know, we're not going to learn our lesson. We're not going to say, you know what, let's start to build infrastructure so that uh, independent shops do not have to succumb to some big players in order to be able to survive. Uh, we're just basically feeding the same uh, big tech, as they call it. But anyway, oh, yeah. you know, on to uh, less, uh, quote, unquote, political uh, things. And <laughs> so you provide your own solution, which I assume that also allows it to be hosted on site. Yeah, yeah, that's right. right. And we're, we're right now talking only about like, you know, enterprise solutions that I'm dealing with. But we also have... Uh, a my logic, which is a small to medium business solution that you know is a no code environment for building your I don't know skills, assistance, multi channel, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we're uh, you know helping small and medium businesses as well, not only working with enterprises. And then how does it feed off the data? Like one of the premises here is that the better the AI is, is because there's more data available. So if you are not using, for example, Google whereby billions of or millions of other people are using uh, Google and Google trains on the data that everyone is using. If you're providing self-hosted uh -huh. solutions with only the data of the customer, how do you feed it? How uh -huh. do you improve it? Do you just give it like a base set of data that it can start to train on and then based on the customer interaction, continue that? Uh, well, the funny thing about artificial intelligence in uh, dialogue systems is that uh, it's not really, uh, you know, there's not a lot of machine learning there and neural networks. I mean, there's plenty of that, but um, uh, very often natural language understanding is not dependent on um, really that much of a sophisticated technologies. Like the most uh, sophisticated uh, technologies there are there are like, um, usually speech-to-text, um, automatic speech recognition, right? Um, then natural language understanding. And here you are right that um, Google, etc., uh, etc., et uh, have better models for, for that. But uh, we do have our own ones, and they provide, you know, unique benefits um, also, like, Generally speaking, you know, why um, Google's models and, you know, Yandex, et cetera, all the big players' models are not that great is that they're not, uh, you know, domain-specific. They're general. And it often creates um, problems when working with um, businesses that have their own, you know, um, domain-specific um, language, words, phrases, et cetera, et cetera because the model is um, built for, you know, a, a usual, for, for, for the usual people, for the usual lexicon. And when it comes to, I don't know, uh, 
imagine a factory and uh, you have a lot of different product names that are you know not usual at all and um, the fact that uh, the model can be uh, trained further and uh, be made domain specific uh, creates you know a uh, competitive advantage uh, compared to the uh, big models from Google etc so now on to uh, Kotlin specific stuff and, oh, and yeah. talking about development. Uh, the framework that you have is called Just AI Conversational Framework, right? That's right. So tell yeah, us a yeah. little bit about this. What, what is the idea behind here? Yeah, so um, let's delve a little bit into history, if you, uh, if you may, um, where we started in uh, 2015. We started with our own um, domain-specific language, um, based on JavaScript and with our own, let's call it, um, bot server. So the uh, the language was built to uh, make scenarios um, on our software, and um, we made our own like custom um, web-based uh, IDE for working with that, and that's like where all of our um, technologies have been based before we um, we created the framework and um, the problem with that um, is that um, since we're developing our own like uh, IDE and uh, since it's based on like JavaScript and um, it's web-based uh, it's not that good um, you know, when we're talking about uh, debugging, for example, or maintaining code, or uh, all the different uh, things that you must know uh, that IDE, a good IDE like yours provides. Uh, that's the first thing. And the second one is that, um, you know, it's one thing when you have your own domain-specific uh, language that you develop and it's a whole other thing when you're talking about like uh, just a framework built on Kotlin. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it is a whole different thing. It's a... Yeah, yeah. And, so, uh, um, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, so um, it's basically, you know, two of these things. First is that, uh, oh, and, and the other one, maybe the most like important one is the uh, community, right? Because when you, um, again, develop your own domain specific language, although it's based on JavaScript, it's still not at all familiar for the people working with JavaScript. Um, but if you're talking about um, Kotlin based framework, um, we're you know tapping into the whole community of people not only now writing in kotlin but the people that will inevitably be writing in kotlin in the future you know the android developers uh who are still some of some of whom writing in java right uh so that as well yeah so this might be an obvious question uh but judging from what you're saying i assume that the main attractiveness of Kotlin is the ability to easily create DSLs. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And the fact that it's um, it's easy uh, to you know start using that DSL um, even if you just know Kotlin, and also if you don't really 
ever used Kotlin as well, because like that was my experience more or less. Uh, and I can talk about that a bit later about how I, you know, um, started using Kotlin and our framework, um, uh, if you may. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how did it come about? Like, where did the idea of Kotlin come about? Who, whose idea was it? Because you were, uh, so, obviously you were doing everything in JavaScript, right? Yeah. So that was the idea of, um, our co-founder, uh, Dmitry Tichotkin. Um, yeah. And he developed for, uh, you know, he, he, he wrote in uh, Java for a long time. He developed for Android. He made, uh, one of the, one of the first, um, voice assistant in Russian language that was like uh, way before Alisa. It was an app called uh, Dusha. Yeah. So um, he had an experience uh, writing in Java and then he transferred to Kotlin. So yeah, that was kind of his idea. And how was the team taking it? Folks that were writing JavaScript now switching over to Kotlin. How did that experience go? Oh, well, that's uh, still going on, you know, um, because like the way we're uh, transferring there uh, right now as we speak is that um, we're not just switching everyone at once. Uh, we're creating like new teams that focus on, um, you know, Kotlin framework from the get go. And I'm the part of that team. We call it solution team. So we're uh, like writing solutions in that framework and uh we'll be transferring guys who are writing right now in javascript to work with these solutions uh in the future so we're like uh, our team is laying the groundwork for that future transfer and we're tapping into um, the guys uh, as well because like we're working with them closely because they're uh you know, experience in just uh, designing interfaces and uh, all that stuff is very um, useful for us as well. And we're uh, looking forward to working with them in the future when they will be transferring to writing in our Kotlin uh, framework. Yeah. So now from the user's perspective in terms of a developer, uh, what, what do I get with this framework if I want to use it? Well, um, um, you mean from the point of view of, um, of a guy who never wrote, uh, conversational, uh, interfaces. Yeah. A, a person that essentially says, okay, I'm going to download this framework, uh, because it's going uh -huh. to allow me to create, um, some service that is conversational uh -huh. with my product. What does uh -huh. the framework okay. itself provide me? Uh, well, it provides you with all the tools that are needed for uh, writing, uh, you know, conversational framework. Um, for example, uh, all the uh, like all the connectors to like not, not all of them, but most used connectors to like Alexa, Alisa, like. Uh, Google Assistant, etc., are are already written, and there are, you know, ready and easy to use interfaces to write your own connector to, you know, your own system or uh, whatever you want, really. So um, 
the um, integrations are either already written to the most used systems or are very easy to write. Right? So w uh, one of these connectors that you talk about, I assume one of them is actually connecting to your services, yeah? Oh yeah, that's yes. you know part of our uh, strategy right. uh, as well. So, um, but uh, so let's talk a little bit about the dialogue system and what it needs to function. Right, uh, one of the things that it needs to function is natural language understanding, uh, and that um, you know you can just use you know regular expressions inside the uh, uh, dialogue system inside the framework if you don't need anything uh, really sophisticated but then you can connect any of the uh, natural language understanding services right like our for example uh, which is called kyla or you can connect uh, dialogue flow or you can connect uh, rasa yeah it's already available for uh, for our framework uh, but our uh, like uh, hope is that uh, it will be easier and more, um, you know, uh, useful for people to work with uh, with our own. But we like support uh, the uh, I don't know free market, I guess, right? So we allow people to uh, use everything they want with it. So one of the ideas I was just thinking is that in a sense even if i don't want to use your services for instance right yeah let's say that i want to use alexa i could use uh, the just ai conversational framework to interrupt yeah. with alexa to interact with alexa right and then this would give me the benefit that because there's this your framework which i assume is some level of abstraction over these different yeah. services that tomorrow yeah. if i want to i could switch my backend from alexa to google actions or something oh else, yeah right? yeah yeah uh, that's also that's very important thing as well thank you for uh, mentioning that yeah our um, you can write a an app a scenario uh, with with our framework and have as many connectors as you want right and uh, they are not limited to uh, voice assistants right you can also connect them to telegram to whatsapp to facebook to telephone channels so you can have um, you know one one bot uh, that is talking to the users uh, via any channel you want right and uh, you can customize the replies of the bot depending on the channel right inside the uh, scenario so you can have, uh, instead of having uh, like a lot of different bots for any channel that you that you need with uh, different replies there, you can have just one um, with everything built in uh, inside. Yeah, which is kind of like, in a way also, it's that this abstraction is good because it is disconnecting you from this dependency that you have on a specific service, right? It's similar to, for instance, yeah. uh, when you talk about functions, in, or lambdas in on Amazon, or you talk about Google Cloud functions or Azure mm -hmm. functions, you mm -hmm. are essentially tied into that platform. Uh, and that's what we, for example, offer with Kotlis, which is a, a, a framework by, by a few folks at JetBrains, which is, again, providing that abstraction for you so that today you could 
you know, write your, deploy your f- functionality using Lambdas and tomorrow just switch it over to Google Cloud Functions, right? So here you're kind of offering that level of abstraction yeah. as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what, what, okay. what we're doing as well. And um, if you don't have a anything that uh, that you want there since like our framework is open source you can just you know do that and make a pull request and uh, when it's approved you can just you know use it or you can just you know make your own fork and uh, you know develop it internally for your own purposes like all the benefits of open source are available for uh, for a framework and what is the licensing model for this uh well it's uh open source um let me look that up as far as i remember apache it's two like or something the, um, yeah 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 it's yeah. apache 2 license uh, um, so yeah yeah apache and what 2. is your upsell right. like what what is the i mean i i assume i know the answer to this but i just want to uh, make it clear uh, what value do you get in in creating this ecosystem just like we were talking about how you know, all of these companies want to create yeah. these ecosystems. Well, our value is that we're hoping that uh, since uh, this framework would be so good and easy to use, uh, and we're also uh, supplying the uh, stuff that um, is essential for uh, for using the framework, like. First, that I've already talked about is the natural language understanding system, uh, which we're really proud of, and we'll be rolling it out uh, with the uh, framework, like in a month or so, I guess, uh, which is called Kyla. Uh, and the second one is that um, our platform, right, uh, just a conversational platform, um, is a place where you can uh, deploy the skill in uh, just a conversational framework, and you'll get a lot more than just you know cloud services because you'll get analytics, right? You'll get uh, easy to use channels uh, because like right now you have to write them in code in uh, in the framework, but if you connect your uh, if you deploy your skill in uh, in uh, JCF, I guess. Uh, it's just hard to pronounce it in English. Yeah, it's easy in Russian. Yeah, so if you, yeah, JICF, right. Um, so if you deploy it um, on our platform, um, you can just, you know, with one click, uh, deploy it to different channels. Um, the, the whole variety of channels that we already have there, right? So uh, the value is with, uh, seamless integrations with our existing services and with uh yeah um, i guess with that yeah and which is absolutely fine but i think it's an important thing right because at the end of the day i think an important question that people should be asking themselves is if i adopt this framework what is the quote unquote business model around it Right. Because ultimately, you know, there are billions of open source projects and we know what happens when someone abandons an open source project. Everyone starts no. to get angry and say, well, yeah. why are you why are you abandoning all of this work that you've given me for free? Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But to have a sustainable model, 
which in your case is you're selling the backend services yeah, is absolutely yeah. fine right it gives people the reassurance yeah 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 uh absolutely right yeah Nice. And so how well versed do I need to be in AI or in conversational frameworks to actually get started with this? Because I see from the, the samples that you have quite mm -hmm. a bit of, uh, I mean, you make quite good use of DSLs. Are you trying to uh, push the boundaries there so that people essentially can, you know, discover how to do things by just looking at the code? Or do you uh, need to have yeah. some background in in? Well, uh, the background in Kotlin always helps, but um, this summer. Yeah, um, obviously. I mean, let's just let let's get that's a given. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a given, of course. Mm, but we had some people working this framework that didn't have a lot of uh, experience with code at all, uh, right? But uh, they still made amazing skills, amazing skills. For example. Um, um, you know, in universities, sometimes there's like, uh, after you finish a course, there is like a practice run where for one month you work with the company and, uh, you know, uh, do some project with the company. I don't know if you have that in, uh, yeah. Yeah. Internship. Essentially, oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Internship. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's what we call. Uh, so we had an internship with, um, uh, with a student from, um, from a course that is essentially a um, one-year uh, linguistics and Python course for people who never, uh, you know, had anything to do with uh, with those technologies. You know, it's a uh, um, again, how how do you call it? Like um, when you receive another qualification than that what you were originally taught, like it's a requalification or something program mm, well everything you need to know is that the uh, the guys didn't really uh, you know their experience with programming with programming was like um, a course of python right and the python is a whole different language from kotlin um, as you might know it's not statistically uh, statically typed etc etc yeah and um this student worked with us for uh, for one month, and uh, you know we helped him. Uh, I mean, it was her uh, it helped her a bit, but um, other than that, uh, she just you know wrote um, read. I'm sorry, she just read our documentation, uh, all our you know um, uh, guides uh, for the framework, and uh, in the end. You know, one month past, she uh, made an amazing skill uh, that you know can be used and presented uh, very well. So it's just a you know a practical case of uh, of it being easy to use for people with minimal experience in programming. Um, I mean, does it answer your question? <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Yep. And it, it was also more about to just, uh, I mean, it does answer in the sense that, yes, it's easy to get started with for, for folks that don't have knowledge in programming, but it was more around the domain of, of natural language processing uh, or, uh, yeah, you know, that also, you know, conversational frameworks. Is that needed as such? Uh, 
I don't think so. That uh, I think that the basic understanding is needed, but the basic understanding can be, uh, you know, acquired very easily. Uh, I don't think that's as much of a problem as, uh, you know, learning some Kotlin concepts that will be useful uh, with using the framework. Um, because like, I think that it's like maybe one or two or maybe three videos about how to best compose the, uh, you know, it, it's all about the design of this, um, you know, conversational interface. Uh, the, um, the underlying concepts are not that hard to grasp. And the artificial intelligence part uh, is also, you know, uh, the part that is needed for developing systems that we're talking about here is uh, also not hard at all. Minimal, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. Well, thanks for, you know, sharing your uh, framework with us and, and making it an open source. Uh, we'll provide links to the actual framework in the show notes. And uh, thank you for taking the time to come on to talk about it. Yeah, so we'll be happy if uh, anyone with, uh, who, who got interested in our framework would uh, you know, come and use it. And uh, please, if you encounter some problems, just uh, you can message me or uh, message our Slack community uh, or, you know, uh, create issues in, uh, in GitHub project. Yep. Thank you very much. And the URL for that is, yeah, is framework.com just-ai.com so you can download it there. uh yeah, yeah that's right awesome uh or you can just find it on uh on github uh jai i'm sorry yeah yeah it's hard to pronounce um yeah you can find it there and start it there uh if you like it cool great well thanks again yeah